Thanks, Katie. Hi, guys. Uh, hope you're well. So good to, uh, to be together. Um, just want to kick off tonight with saying a massive thank you to uh, all of you who prayed for our Alpha launch, uh, which uh, just happened this Tuesday. Um, if you've never heard of Alpha before, it's a course that explores the big questions of life. And um, Rick, who leads the Alpha course, um, uh, along with Alex down here, was um, leading us in praying for um, 15 people to uh, be at that, um, sign up for that uh, launch evening. Uh, there were 21 sign-ups, uh, four, uh, 14 uh, made it on the evening, another four sent their apologies, so I'd love to come back next week. And uh, so come on, Jesus, it's got off to a, a great start. And it's also worth just throwing in, I think Chris might have mentioned this last week, but if, if you didn't hear it, um, last week, during the morning meeting, we felt God encourage us to pray for uh, healings, physical healings, uh, right here in the room, kind of in, in the midst of the worship time. And there was a guy there who'd had tremendous pain in his Achilles all throughout the week, and he'd been prayed for in his home group, and it got a little bit better, but um, during the morning, things were just getting so, so bad. He said it was absolutely excruciating. I just had to sit down. And, um, and then as we began to pray, we began to feel this heat kind of rising in his Achilles, until then suddenly he realized that all the pain had gone, and he was able to walk free in that, and he was testifying to that this morning. So hallelujah. How many here know that prayer is where the power is? Yes? Come on, let's pray. Father, we just ask you tonight, Lord, would you reveal more of yourself to us? We say, Jesus, we so want to be like you. We so want to live for you. We want to be empowered for your great mission to make you famous all across this earth. And so as we look into your word tonight, God, would you do us good by it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we are continuing our series uh, called Gifts, uh, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit as, as the Bible describes them. And uh, if you're new to that concept, that's uh, things that uh, God gives to us uh, to help to build the church and extend his kingdom that people might know more of who he is. And we're looking at a specific part of the Bible, uh, a letter called 1 Corinthians, chapters 12 to 14 in that. And if you've never heard of 1 Corinthians before, um, it's a letter to a church in a a city called Corinth. Uh, it's written by a guy called Paul, who's one of the early leaders, uh, one of the leaders uh, in the early church. And um, I'm talking about a, a specific uh, gift tonight, and that is something that comforts and catalyzes. It is something that discloses and directs. It's something that emboldens and enables. It is, of course, the spirit gift of prophecy. And tonight, I want to contend that as we prophesy, we can make a difference. Because as you bring the prophetic word of God into a situation, you bring the hope of Jesus to a person's life. So let's dig into the scriptures. Um, so I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, the words will come up on the screen if you don't have a, a Bible with you. Um, I could read the whole chapter, actually, because it's all about prophecy, uh, uh, prophecy in tongues that, uh, that Rick spoke on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I'm just going to read the first five verses, because they're kind of summary of, of everything that Paul's saying in the chapter. So here we go, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we're on good ground to start with. And then he contrasts it by speaking about tongues. He says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the Spirit. And then back to prophecy. And listen to this. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
And then back to tongues. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies, that is, builds up the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. I wonder where you stand on one of life's big questions. And that is the question of when you get into a restaurant and see two for 10 pounds, two courses for 10 pounds, what do you do? Are you a starter and main kind of person? Possibly the minority opinion, potentially kind of a way of having two dinners, something like that. Or maybe you are convinced that sugar is where the party is. And so every, yes, well, that has definitely proved that one. Majority opinion there. You think it is always main and pudding every single time. Well, tonight, on the subject of the prophetic, really, there is so much that you, you could say about it. What I'm saying tonight is really just a starter, just a starter. And if, if you're looking for a, a more meaty main course uh, to follow this message, I want to recommend a, a book that is called Moving in the Prophetic, by a guy called Greg Haslam, who has a wonderful prophetic and biblically grounded ministry. And Greg has something of a bit of history with us as a church, actually. Because way back in 2009, Grace Church used to be meeting at Notts County Football Stadium in one of the function rooms there. And we were looking for a building. We were about 200 people at the time. And we'd found this place. We'd seen that it had come on the market and had planned this, this campaign of, of kind of speaking on, uh, speaking on us going after this building for a good number of weeks and giving people lots of time and space to uh, consider if that's something they would want to give to uh, with the aim of us taking up an offering to, to raise a deposit and then with a mortgage we could put in an offer here. And so we thought we had a good long bit of time and obviously that would give people the space to make kind of more significant financial decisions. And, and yet, 10 minutes before the meeting where we all heard about this building, the, um, the elders of the church got a, a phone call to say, you know, you thought I, you had all this time to do this. Uh, well, actually, things have changed somewhat. And uh, the process has moved to what's called a sealed bid, which basically means that you bid once and once alone, and you bid blind. You have no idea what anyone else is bidding. And they said, oh, and that's to happen in two weeks' time two weeks' time, which gives no one any time to make any kind of significant financial decisions. And on the Sunday in between, the one before that we would have to take this, this offering up, we had a guest speaker booked, so we couldn't even preach on it. And it was this guy, Greg Haslam. And not knowing any of our circumstances, he came up to Nottingham and he said, I feel that God wants to give you a prophetic word as a church. And I want to preach into that in my message tomorrow. Is that okay? And what, it, what happened was that uh, he, he picked up a, a part in the Bible called Two Kings. And it's a story of a guy called Elisha who is um, meeting with the king of Israel at the time. And he's encouraging this king to open the window in, in his chamber and to fire arrows out of the window. And then to take some of the other arrows and to bang the ground with these arrows which might sound a little bit strange to us, but it was a cultural declaration of victory in that time. And what happened is that the king, after he's fired his arrows and banged them on the ground, is he stops short. He does it three times and says, right, that's about it. And Elisha says, no, you, you, you can't stop short. You're only going to defeat these people three times now. If you kept on banging, you would have total victory. 
And Greg Haslam came to us and he said, you know, when God opens a window of, window of opportunity before you, you have to go after it, Grace Church, with everything that you've got. He said to us, for God's sake, shoot. And it changed the whole atmosphere of everything. Because one week later, we took up an offering and raised somewhere in the region of like 250,000 pounds. A church of 200 people. And then a student came to the leaders of the church and said, well, do you know what? I, I've got 200,000 pounds sitting uh, spare in my bank account. I, I can't give it, but I can loan it to you interest-free. Would you be interested? And then it gave us enough money for a deposit, and then with a mortgage, we put the offer in. We prayed like anything. The offer got accepted. The planning permission got granted, and here we are. But the point is, prophecy makes a difference. Prophecy changes things. It builds the church. It changes lives. And so today, I want us to open up a conversation with Paul, the writer of this passage, about prophecy. Because how many of us here know that we want to make a difference in this city? We want to make a difference in the lives of those around us. We want people to know Jesus. And so I'm going to ask a number of questions that get asked about prophecy to help us see what Paul wants to say to us. And the first one is this, is what is prophecy? What on earth is prophecy? And in this passage, there's lots of Old Testament backgrounds uh, to everything that, that's being said. But one of the first things that gets said in verse 1 is that prophecy is a gift. And Paul is very keen, a couple of chapters earlier, to stress the point that prophecy is not something that is earned. It is not a reward for being spiritual or mature. Is a gift of the grace of God, a gift of the unmerited favor of God where he delights to use his people. And so he says in verse 3, and perhaps if we could put verse 3 on the screen, Adrian, that would be great. Thank you. He says, the one who prophesies speaks to people. So it's a message, or uh, as Paul later puts it in verse 30, a revelation. Speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging, and comfort. So prophecy is, is something that is revealed by the Holy Spirit, but spoken through us. Spoken through us. And that means that as we prophesy, our personalities will come through. Now, I really appreciate uh, the prophetic gifting of Ben here, who leads the church. And um, in addition to, to the way it really kind of uh, helps me in my walk with God, one of the things I really appreciate about his gifting is that I learn how all sorts of things work when I hear Ben prophesy. Ben just seems to know how an awful lot of things are put together, function, how engines work, and all this sort of stuff that I know nothing about. Groins on the beach. I'd never heard of them in my life until Ben used them in a prophetic word. I'm from Stoke. Our geography was all about clay in the soil and living in Nottingham. It's closer to outer space than it is the seaside, so I don't know anything about the beach. Our, our personalities come through in our prophesying. And for all of us, that, that will mean that we have to be careful not just to resort to our pet topics or our uh, frustrations, but to continually ask the question, what does God want to say? Because that's the heart of prophecy. What does God want to say? I remember being encouraged that when I have a prophetic picture in my mind that I don't know what it is that God wants to say, so maybe I just see a picture of a desert, but not yet sure sort of what that means. 
I'm going to be encouraged just to keep asking God for what he wants to say through that picture, to ask him for the meaning of why he's planting that picture in our minds. But then a couple of chapters early from the bit that I read in chapter 12, we, we see this phrase referred to called words of knowledge, words of knowledge as, as one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives as well. And what are words of knowledge? Well, the Bible doesn't have an awful lot to say about words of knowledge. And so really, we, we take what we know from the meaning of the term. So I've got quite a complex definition. It's that words of knowledge are words of um, like knowledge, like things you know, from God. Yeah? We got that? You can quote it later. You can tweet it out. That is that they reveal a scenario or a detail that gets a person's attention. Maybe they unlock a situation. When our evening meeting here first got going, it was about 20 people. We were back at Notts County at the time. And um, I remember a person in the church called Austin being there. And um, uh, during the worship, he said, I, I feel like, he gave a word of knowledge. He said, I feel like God wants to say that there's someone here who has been in a car accident with a red fiesta, and God wants to bring some comfort and some strengthening to you. And then spoke that comforting and that, that strengthening. And the thing is, if he'd just gone straight to the prophecy bit, that God wants to bring comfort to you and strengthening to you, then, well, we've all been there. We think, Oh, that's for someone else. Or just let it go over our head. It's just kind of general. But if it starts with, there is someone here who has been in a car accident with a red fiesta, we are all asking ourselves the question, have I been in a car accident with a red fiesta? <laughs> and the lady who came forward on that night, who had been, uh, that, that was her situation, she was able to hear the comfort of God and know that God had picked her out. They unlock a situation. In John chapter 4, Jesus is uh, meeting a, a woman at a well, and they're talking about water. And uh, Jesus says, well, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst again. And the woman's saying, well, it sounds good. Give me some of it. Where's your, your secret source, Jesus? She's not really getting it. And so Jesus gives a word of knowledge. He says, go, go and tell your husband these things. And she says, oh, I, I don't have a husband. He says, you're, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy that you're with now is not your husband. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Not because what he said was prophecy. That was just the term for that sort of thing in those times. And what that acted to do was to open up the enablement for Jesus to bring what he wanted to reveal to her, which we see later in the passage in John 4, is that he is the long-awaited savior of the world. Words of knowledge that unlock a situation. And when I talk about prophecy tonight, I'm meaning both prophecy and words of knowledge. You might be thinking as we chat about these things, well, that's all very well and good, but, but is it for me? Is it for me? Well, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then yes, it is. Great, question three. There's lots of places that we could go to in the scriptures to show this, but, but just look what our passage says. Even in verse one, bear in mind this is spoken to the whole church. It says, eagerly desire gifts the spirit, especially prophecy. It's to everyone. 
And then verse 5 goes on to say, I'd, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have, implication, every one of you prophesy. Moves on again, verse 24, talks about all of you. And again, verse 31, talks about all of you. I love how Jesus put it in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice. It is the privilege of your sonship, of your daughtership, to hear the voice of your father and for him to use you to speak to the world around you. But if you wouldn't describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, God wants to speak to you too tonight. And you know, he, he, he speaks in the world around us, speaks through, through creation around us, in the, the uniqueness of every grain of sand in the world, the uniqueness of every snowflake, the uniqueness of every single person, including you. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But he speaks also in the pages of the Bible. It was referred to in the worship time. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Boy, how our society needs words like that. Stressed, overworked, tired as it is. But God speaks to you ultimately in the person of his son. Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that by his death on the cross, your every mistake could be forgiven and your slate white clean. He wants to give you a new start, to make you a new person. And so tonight, his word to you, this is the God of the universe, the one who's upholding up, up Mars and Jupiter and the planets right now, wants to speak to you to say, come follow me. Come and be part of this. He wants to welcome you home. And again, it was referred to in our worship that there's a story of the prodigal son, which um, I want to tell you a story about a guy who um, had been part of Grace Church, but um, really sadly kind of moved away from, um, from all things church for a while. And um, he'd, um, he kind of came to his senses and thought, you know, I, I've just got to get back. Uh, church was where the presence of God was. And, and he was reminded of, of a story, this, this prodigal son story, which basically is, is a son who was a part of a family and then decided to go his own way. And, and as he was kind of out and about doing his stuff, he made a bit of a mess of things. He found himself in all sorts of difficult situations and thought, what has my life become? Do you know what? I need to go home. And he went home in full expectation that he would be judged by his father and his community. And yet what, his fa- what he found was that his father came running to him, threw his arms around him, embraced him, and reaffirmed his sonship. And so this, this guy came back to Grace Church on the prompting of that story. He brought that to mind. Do you know one of the first events that he was at? just one or two weeks into being back here. Um, my wife Emma and I were um, at a young adults event, um, not because we're young adults, but uh, I can't go to the Ikea trip next week. We have to drive to Ikea and fight with people around it. It's absolutely nightmare. But we, we were at this event, and um, there was a ministry time, it was a meeting just like this, and I saw this guy, and into my mind popped a story from the Bible. It was a prodigal son story. I didn't know any of his situation, and I just picked him out, and I said, I just feel like God wants to tell you about the story of the prodigal son. And just told him the story and say, God wants to say, welcome home. Welcome home. You see, God wants to welcome us home. 
But the point is this. Prophecy makes a difference. Prophecy makes a difference. And so whether your question tonight is, well, can I have the gift or do I have the desire to grow in it? Prophecy changes lives. That's our motivation, that you can bring the hope of Jesus to a situation, to a person. Do you know you have no idea of the impact that the prophetic word that you give could mean for someone? It's been referred to already tonight, but we started a church in Manchester one year ago. But way back in 2015, Duncan and Hannah, who lead that church, were just processing before God the feeling of, we know that you want us to lead something, but we don't really know what and we don't know where. And they just began to pray and felt a real, I suppose like a burden on their heart. They kept kind of thinking about the city of Manchester. And, and as they, they thought about Manchester, they, they came up with lots of, um, they saw lots of things that were connected in with the color red and Manchester. You've obviously got Man United, uh, the Red Rose of Lancashire, there's like a red brick architectural history there, it's all over the Greater Manchester flag. So for them, red meant Manchester. And very early in the stages of this, where nobody knew anything about them thinking about going there, they were in a meeting just like this one, and um, Orla, who's one of our staff team, I was praying for them, and she, she, she said, I, I see a picture in my mind of a hot air balloon, and the fire is going up into the hot air balloon, and then the wind is blowing it. And I feel God wants to say to you that you're to uh, re- receive the kind of fire of his presence, and then you're to let the Holy Spirit just guide you to where he wants to take you. Oh, and by the way, the hot air balloon is red. Does that mean anything? And now that church is birthed and is changing lives. People are coming to know Jesus because prophecy makes a difference. They say, well, how do I do it then? How do I do it? Well, we pray. We pray. We, we pray and then we see what comes to mind. What we feel, what we see, what our hunch is. And you might say, well, JP, that all seems very normal. But how many of you here know that your normal now as a Christian is to live a supernatural life? You are a walking miracle. Jesus has raised you up from spiritual death to spiritual life as he has unveiled the glory and beauty of his son in you and given you the faith to believe in him. You are a walking miracle. And our God is more than capable of working through the normality of our thought processes. And so maybe as you pray, you you might get popping into your mind a a verse of scripture or a a static picture or a a, a rolling film, maybe a phrase, maybe the, the words of a song. And then what we do is that we, who are utterly in control of this moment, by the way. This isn't some like outer body experience. You don't get taken over or anything silly like that. we, We take that and we submit it to what the Bible says prophecy is to be. And and in this passage, Paul really has got two concerns that we need to bear in mind. One of them is right at the start of the chapter, verse 1, right? One of them is right at the end of the chapter, verse 40. The first one is love, that we do all things in love. The second one is that we do things with understanding, that people can understand what we're articulating. And so what does that mean for us? Well, for starters, it means we watch the length 
of what we say. Now, imagine this. Imagine if I was giving a prophetic word, maybe in the worship time, and imagine it was a good one. And as I started to, to bring a sense of what I thought God wanted to say to us and started speaking, you're like, oh, I can kind of see where you're going with this and continued speaking. You saw more of it and you thought, yes, I'm, I'm understanding what you're getting at, JP, and kind of got to the sort of height of it of, yes, right, I can see something of God in this. God has encouraged me and strengthened me. I'm ready to go. And then I carried on speaking and you're like, okay, and time to wrap up now, JP, and then carried on speaking. Like I got what you were saying 20 seconds ago and carried on speaking and you're like, would you just shut up? I mean, maybe some of you are thinking that right now. Who knows? The point is, it would have lost something of the poignancy and the power simply because I didn't love you well by just going on too long. Our length. But we also watch our language. Language. Does it make sense what we're saying? Would people in church for the first time understand the majority of the phrases that you use because it might make the difference for them. If God is speaking the message through you and so that means that you do not need the boom in the room if that is not your normal voice. You do not need extra spiritual phrasing. You don't need to sound like you're from the 17th century. You don't need to supercharge it with shouting. Because how many know that it is God's job to fill our words with power? So length, language, but we also check our legitimacy. Legitimacy. Does it satisfy what the Bible says prophecy is? And we had verse 3 on the screen earlier. It talks about prophecy should strengthen and encourage and comfort. So as you bring it, is that how the person that you're prophesying to feels? Now, it's not meaning that nothing hard is ever spoken and we just speak spiritual niceties and that's it. But there is a world of difference between you're a sinner, sort your life out, and I just feel a sense that there's someone in the room who's struggling with an addiction to pornography. And Jesus has better for you than that. And he died so that you could live in victory and not live in defeat. And so that if that is you, please speak to someone that you trust, someone that you can be vulnerable with, because God wants to come alongside you and help you out of that. Do you know those two things are poles apart, aren't they? Paul says in verse 37 that prophecy always submits to God's revealed will. And for us, that is the word of God. It will never contravene what the book says. So sometimes, you know, we've all heard it, people who say, oh, God's told me that the end of the world will happen at this point. No, he hasn't. Come on, read the book. No one knows the hour, the season. You say, well, how, fourthly, how do I know if it's from God? How do I know if what this sense in my mind is, is from God? And I suppose partly that's why Paul gives these parameters for prophecy, isn't it? That if it's an encouraging word, that is spoken with love, then the person that you are speaking to should feel built up anyway. But in verse 29, Paul talks about two or three prophets speaking, then others weighing what is said. So as we prophesy, we are only part of the process. Your job is to hear and to wait and to weigh where you can what you feel God is saying to you 
And then simply to be obedient, simply to give it. It's on the hearer, the person the prophetic word is for, to weigh it for themselves. And we'll talk about um, what that looks like in just a moment. But the reality is that you won't always know that it's 100% accurate. And sometimes we will get it wrong. In fact, Paul says just a chapter earlier in 1 Corinthians 13 that we prophesy in part. And that's why we have to be careful with these things, isn't it? Because they can be misused, they can be harmful. And we spoke about that just a a couple of weeks ago as we introduced the series. I was reading in in one uh, book on on the prophetic, a a humorous example of a a lady who has a wonderful um, prophetic ministry, but very biblically grounded, who... um, in a meeting just like this one, I felt God pick someone out in the room and, and, and say, um, in her mind, she felt God say that this person needed to know that they were of such worth and utterly priceless. Such worth and utterly priceless. The trouble was, when she gave that word, she mixed the two up. So she picked the person out and says, God wants to say to you, you are utterly worthless. And then she realized, she was like, oh No. And it was okay, she made light of the situation, she went and checked the person was okay and made sure they knew the truth and made a massive apology and here's what's happened. And, but you know, sometimes there's a human malfunction, isn't there? Sometimes what the Spirit has revealed, we just don't see or get correctly. But we mustn't let that stop us from speaking. Because I found that the biggest obstacle to bringing a prophetic word is not the question, is it from God? Because there's inbuilt safety guards, as we've been seeing with that. But actually, my own fear. And sometimes this question of, is what I'm feeling from God, can just be a cover for, I feel really scared about this. And that's okay, I understand that. I've been there. What happens if I look silly? What happens if I'm wrong? What happens if part of it is right, but then part of it isn't, and it causes pain. But I want to put it to us that if we are never wrong in these things, we're probably not being bold enough. We're probably playing it a little bit safe. And folks, when the prophetic settles for safe, it loses something of its poignancy and power. It discloses, it disrupts, it directs. And Paul puts it like this a little bit later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, you know, since we have such a hope, since we know that we are the sheep who hear the voice of the shepherds, since we know that we are sons and daughters and that is a privilege of our adoption to hear our father's voice and have him use us, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you can be very bold. You can be very bold. And what that means is that you can continue to ask God for more detail. You can continue to step out in faith. I want to challenge you tonight that when you, I want to challenge you to resolve within yourself that when you get a hunch that a word could be from God, keep asking for more detail about it and then do something about it. Speak to someone. If you're not sure kind of what to do with it, speak to your home group leader or uh, one of the, the leaders in the church. Maybe speak to the person that you think it's for and just humbly submit it before them. 
because it could be the difference for someone. And finally, well, how do I weigh it? Let's say someone gives a prophetic word to you. I feel God wants to say this to you. How do I weigh it? Well, once again, we pray. God, are you speaking to me through this word? You can pray for the spirit gift of discernment, which is also described in the chapter 12 list. It's where God heightens the the, the ability to distinguish what's of him and what's not of him. And as you receive these words, you can ask yourselves the question, how do they make you feel? Do they tie in with what God's been speaking to you about already? Do they move you emotionally? Is Is what is being spoken a real possibility for you right now? Do you know, if you've just started your freshers' year here in Nottingham and someone gives you a prophetic word about moving city, you are going to need all sorts of confirmation that that really is from God before you do something about that, aren't you? And so you ask others, you check it out scripturally. And then here's what I do with the words that I receive. I record them. I stick a note on my phone, then it goes onto a Word document, And the ones that I feel are from God, I let them encourage me and guide me and build me up. But others, I just let them drop. And that's okay. Because there will be some words that will just miss the mark and we can just let them drop. I just want to finish with a a little thing. that The prophetic, yes, it, it, it can be taught. like That's what Paul is doing here in the scriptures. But it can also be, if you like, caught. You, you, you can learn by seeing people do it. And if you want to grow in the prophetic, I want to encourage you, get alongside someone that you really admire the prophetic ministry of and just pray with them, minister to people with them. Just catch something of the gift that they've got. But I've asked three people tonight to come and model this for us. And what they're going to do is they're going to come and pick a particular person out in the room that they feel God wants to speak to. They're going to speak some strengthening, encouraging, and comforting words to them. And um, then if, if we've time at the end, it would be great to pray for those people. So uh, uh, James, B, and Ben, could we give these guys a round of applause as they come to stage?